I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 2 Chronicles chapters 10 through 12. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. We begin in 2 Chronicles chapter 10 with the struggle of what I call the Boam boys. That'd be Rehoboam and Jeroboam. We'll talk more about them in just a few moments. Let me mention that in the right-hand column of the written notes of BibleTrack.org, we have the text for 1 Kings chapter 12, which is a parallel passage, which we've already read and discussed. Second Chronicles chapter 10, verse 1. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. So it happened when Jeroboam the son of Nebat heard it, he was in Egypt where he had fled from the presence of King Solomon, that Jeroboam returned from Egypt. Then they sent for him and called him. And Jeroboam and all Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, and we will serve you. So he said to them, Come back to me after three days, and the people departed. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived, saying, How do you advise me to answer these people? And they spoke to him, saying, If you are kind to these people, and please them, and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him, and consulted the young men who had grown up with him, who stood before him. And he said to them, What advice do you give? How should we answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you should speak to the people who have spoken to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, as the king had directed, saying, Come back to me the third day. Then the king answered them roughly. King Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders, and he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to it. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So the king did not listen to the people, for the turn of events was from God, that the Lord might fulfill his word, which he had spoken by the hand of Ahijah, the Shilonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Now when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, saying, What share have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to your tents, O Israel. Now see to your own house, O David. So all Israel departed to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel who dwelt in the cities of Judah. Then king Rehoboam sent Hadoram, who was in charge of the revenue, but the children of Israel stoned him with stones, and he died. Therefore king Rehoboam mounted his chariot in haste to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel had been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. 
Now, as I mentioned, we looked at the first king's account a couple of days ago. Here in our second chronicles account, we see a little more detail about the southern kingdom, but almost nothing about the northern kingdom of Israel and almost nothing about Jeroboam. And that's because Second Chronicles was written for the exiles as a recap of the activities of the southern kingdom and the lineage of King David. The activities of the northern kingdom only get treatment in Chronicles when it has a bearing on the southern kingdom. Well, Rehoboam never really had a chance. He was Solomon's son and rightful heir to the throne, but Solomon's streak of stubbornness caused God's decree to be passed upon his kingdom after his death back in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 11. Here's what that verse says. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded you, I surely will tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. So God had told Solomon his kingdom would be split in two after his death, and that was because he entertained the pagan gods of his many wives and concubines. When Rehoboam gets the reins of the kingdom, prophetically the split of Solomon's kingdom, it's already a done deal. It's ironic that the man Solomon had placed in charge of his forced labor, Jeroboam, returns from exile in Egypt and becomes the king of choice for the rebel northern kingdom. 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 1-15, through 15, that's our parallel count to these events, written in the blue next to the column where the text for today is. The fact that Rehoboam rejects the counsel of the older, wiser men and opts rather for the counsel of the younger men really is incidental to the results. God had already said that the nation would be split. Notice verse 15, it says, So the king did not listen to the people, for the turn of events was from God, that the Lord might fulfill his word, which he had spoken by the hand of Ahijah the Shilonite, to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Rehoboam made a mistake here, but God knew he'd make that mistake, a mistake that simply facilitated the prophecy against his dad, which had already been prophesied and would be fulfilled anyway. Now we have two Israels and two Boams, not related, of course, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. So Rehoboam's solution in Second Chronicles chapter 11, verses 1-12 through 12 is, Go to war with the northern kingdom, verse 1. Now when Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled from the house of Judah and Benjamin 180,000 chosen men who were warriors, to fight against Israel that he might restore the kingdom to Rehoboam. But the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah the man of God, saying, Speak to Rehoboam the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all Israel and Judah and Benjamin, saying, Thus says the Lord, You shall not go up or fight against your brethren. Let every man return to his house, for this thing is from me. Therefore they obeyed the words of the Lord and turned back from attacking Jeroboam. So Rehoboam dwelt in Jerusalem and built cities for defense in Judah. And he built Bethlehem, Edom, Tekoa, Beth-zur, Sokah, Adullam, Goth, Marashah, Ziph, Adaraim, Lachish, Azekah, Zorah, Ajalon, and Hebron, which are in Judah and Benjamin, fortified cities. And he fortified the strongholds and put captains in them, and stores of food, oil, and wine. Also in every city he put shields and spears, and made them very strong, having Judah and Benjamin on his side. I mean, it's got to be very disappointing to find a significant portion of your kingdom has just slipped away. So Rehoboam determines to go to war to get them back, gets together his army of 180,000. God says to him through the prophet Shemaiah, 
Don't fight your relatives. So he abandons the war idea. He does, however, determine to fortify his main cities as strongholds against his potential enemies, an action detailed here in Second Chronicles chapter 11, but only mentioned in passing in First Kings chapter 12. Incidentally, verse 12 mentions the participation with Judah of the tribe of Benjamin. Since Judah was the lone tribe that became the southern kingdom, it's deducted that part of Benjamin, the part nearest Jerusalem, integrated into Judah while the remainder went with the northern kingdom. Look at my notes on 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 16 to 24 for more details on that. Incidentally, building projects completed were considered benchmarks for Keen's success during his tenure. Those are mentioned here undoubtedly as an indicator that Rehoboam did have some accomplishments during his reign. Then we have some new priests in town in Second Chronicles chapter 11, verses 13 through 17. This is paralleled, by the way, by First Kings chapter 12, verses 25 to 33, which you'll find in blue, not part of today's reading, in the right-hand column of today's reading. Verse 13, And from all their territories the priests and the Levites who were in all Israel took their stand with him. For the Levites left their common lands and their possessions and came to Judah and Jerusalem, for Jeroboam and his sons had rejected them from serving as priests to the Lord. Then he appointed for himself priests for the high places, for the demons and the calf idols which he had made. And after the Levites left, these from all the tribes of Israel, such as set their heart to seek the Lord God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice to the Lord God of their fathers. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah and made Rehoboam the son of Solomon strong for three years, because they walked in the way of David and Solomon for three years. Well, Jeroboam ran all the priests out of the northern kingdom, hereafter we'll be calling Israel, they fled to the southern kingdom, which we'll be calling Judah. Jeroboam is no idiot. He conjectures in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 27, he says this, If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me, and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So 1 Kings chapter 12 gives us the solution Jeroboam came up with and it is resurrect Aaron's golden calf idea. But for convenience of worship, let's make it two golden calves this time. Second Chronicle leaves out the episodes of the evil doings of Israel from this point forward, and it'll follow only the events that take place in Judah. But Israel stuck with their calves and never served the one true God of David after this point. Jeroboam put a stop to worship according to the law of Moses. He ordained his own set of pagan priests to implement the worship of the two golden calves. With the priests leaving the tribes of the northern kingdom and coming to Jerusalem, we see in verse 17 that they contributed to Rehoboam's southern kingdom a measure of godliness toward Jehovah. However, as the verse indicates, that only lasted for the first three years, then, well, religious corruption. By the fifth year of his reign, Rehoboam had turned against the one true God and we see him being punished by God accordingly in Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 2. And we're going to be reading that in just a few moments. So Rehoboam follows Dad's example, and that is, marry often and father many. We read that in Second Chronicles 11, verses 18 to 23. Then Rehoboam took for himself as wife Mahaloth, the daughter of Jeremoth, the son of David, 
and of Abihel, the daughter of Eliab, the son of Jesse. And she bore him children, Jeush, Shamariah, and Zahalm. After her he took Maacah, the granddaughter of Absalom, and she bore him Abijah, Atai, Zizah, and Shelemeth. Now Rehoboam loved Maacah, the granddaughter of Absalom, more than all his wives and his concubines. For he took eighteen wives and sixty concubines, and begot twenty-eight sons and sixty daughters. And Rehoboam appointed Abijah, the son of Maacah, as chief, to be leader among his brothers, for he intended to make him king. He dealt wisely and dispersed some of his sons throughout all the territories of Judah and Benjamin to every fortified city, and he gave them provisions in abundance. He also sought many wives for them. Well, in marrying, Rehoboam was no contest for his dad, of course, a distant second at best compared to Solomon's combined thousand wives and concubines, and who knows how many children. So here's the count for his son, Rehoboam, 18 wives, 60 concubines, 28 sons, and 60 daughters. So what exactly was a concubine anyway? Well, in short, a concubine was a second-class wife. She lacked some of the privileges and rights of a full-fledged wife. After Solomon's abuse, it hardly seems worth mentioning again Rehoboam's violation of Deuteronomy 17.17, 17, which says, Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Fact is, excessive wives was probably one of Rehoboam's lesser blatant offenses before God during his reign. It was a tough 17 years, though. We read in Second Chronicles chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. This passage is also paralleled in First Kings chapter 14, verses 21 to 31. You'll see it in the right-hand column of the reading for today, written in blue. Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel along with him. And it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. With twelve hundred chariots, sixty thousand horsemen, and people without number who came with him out of Egypt, the Lubim and the Sukim and the Ethiopians. And he took the fortified cities of Judah and came to Jerusalem. Then Shemaiah the prophet came to Rehoboam and the leaders of Judah, who were gathered together in Jerusalem because of Shishak, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, You have forsaken me, and therefore I also have left you in the hand of Shishak. So the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. Now when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. My wrath shall not be poured out on Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they will be his servants, that they may distinguish my service from the service of the kingdoms of the nations. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took everything. He also carried away the gold shields which Solomon had made. Then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place and committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. And whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guard would go and bring them out. Then they would take them back into the guard room. When he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him 
so as not to destroy him completely, and things also went well in Judah. Thus King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. Now Rehoboam was forty-one years old when he became king, and he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, to put his name there. His mother's name was Naamah and Ammonitus. And he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. The acts of Rehoboam, first and last, are they not written in the book of Shemaiah the prophet and of Iddo the seer concerning genealogies? And there were wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. So Rehoboam rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Then Abijah his son reigned in his place. Well, at some point in his fifth year of reign, Rehoboam turns against God. What's up with that? Shishak, the king of Egypt, heads up a coalition against Judah. God delivers Judah into their hands. After the initial defeat, Rehoboam repents and turns to the one true God for help. Enter the prophet Shemaiah. He tells Rehoboam that God will spare Jerusalem, well, minus the riches his dad and grandfather had amassed. Shishak took those riches. It was also Shemaiah back in 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 22 and 23, he told Rehoboam back then not to attack Jeroboam. This passage concludes by indicating that the Boam boys, being Jeroboam and Rehoboam, they fought and fought and fought during their simultaneous reigns. Let's pay close attention to the chastening hand of God in this passage as a result of Rehoboam's disobedience. Notice the wording of verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel along with him. Now notice what it says in verse 2. Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. Well, after their defeat, Shemaiah proclaims in verse 5, he says this, Thus says the Lord, You have forsaken me, and therefore I also have left you in the hand of Shishak. However, the results of the chastisement were reduced after Rehoboam humbled himself, we see in verse 12, but it was too late for complete restoration to the circumstances that existed before Rehoboam turned his back on God. If you're looking at the written notes of BibleTrack.org, I have a little information box there about Rehoboam reigning from 931 B.C. to 913 B.C. over Judah, and after Solomon, he was king number one of the split kingdoms. And then we have uh, a lesson that's still applicable today regarding chastisement from God. When God intercedes in one's life through chastisement, repentance from disobedience often follows. However, a complete restoration to pre-disobedient status, well, it's not always achieved, as was the case here with Rehoboam in this passage. If you'd like more information on the subject of chastisement, then see my article entitled Trial vs. Chastisement in the written notes of BibleTrack.org in the topic section. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.